Life Radio. Stories at the intersection of music and life. Dan Sauter. Music Life Radio is a free podcast available on iTunes and your interwebs at musicliferadio.com and features stories and interviews about and related to music. Tiganism is a punk rocker, model, and performance artist in Oakland, California. Originally from Portland, Oregon, she moved to the Bay Area to live in the punk rock community warehouse known as Hazmat where she befriended many Oakland pirate punks and soon began performing at punk rock shows and events with her own style of burlesque and punk rock pole dancing in between bands. We talked to Teganism about her background, musical interests, her performance art, and her life, and listened to some tracks from her favorite bands. Sit back and relax to this episode of Music Life Radio entitled Teganism. Welcome, Teganism, to Music Live Radio. I'm glad you could come down and do an interview. I'm happy to be here. So let's get into your background. Here on Music Live Radio, we're trying to capture stories about people and their relationship with music. And so to kind of set the background, where did you grow up and what kind of music were you listening to or influenced by early on? I grew up in Portland, Oregon, for the most part. I was born in San Francisco, but my family moved to Portland when I was very young. So most of my memories take place there. Uh, I grew up listening to a pretty wide variety of music. Uh, I, my, I used to dance around the house to Ella Fitzgerald and Patsy Cline. And this one song, I don't remember the name of the artist, but I remember it was called House of Blue Lights. When I was really little, it was my favorite song. I guess I, was, I, I still really like jazz. Uh, I started getting into punk when I was probably about 11 or 12. Mm-hmm. My dad was really into Blondie, and he listened to Blondie all the time, and I, I liked them too, and it just kind of went from there. When my dad was in grad school, he lived in New York City, and he used to go to CBGBs and the Mud Club and see a lot of the bands that I'm into now, so mm-hmm. I think he kind of, he, he definitely passed that uh, taste in music down to me. So was it just that you grew up with that kind of music, that's what uh, drew you to it, or was there something else um, besides... Uh, because, I don't think it was just growing up around it, yeah. really. I, I'd be hard-pressed to actually put my finger on what exactly attracted me to early punk rock, but just just something about it, I guess. Mm-hmm. What other kinds of music do you enjoy? You mentioned jazz and blues. and Yeah, jazz, blues, bluegrass, hip-hop, a little bit of everything. I lived with this goth couple in Portland when I was uh, not too long ago, actually, and uh, they were really into industrial, so I got, I got a little bit into that. Um, really just whatever whatever I hear that kind of moves me, I'll, I'll generally pursue at least to some capacity. Can you describe the uh, punk scene growing up in Portland? Were you part of that scene or was it just the music that you liked? It was more the music that I liked. I, uh, had a, I did a lot of extracurriculars when I was in high school. I was usually pretty busy, but whenever I did have time to go to a show, that was the only thing I could think about. Um, one thing that I really liked about the Portland punk scene when I was a teenager, and this still exists, a site called PCPDX.com. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I, I knew the guy who was running it. I don't know if he still is, but he put up this site to kind of keep people in the loop about what shows were going on in the Portland area, where they were happening, who was playing, whether it was all ages or not, what time it would start. And they cataloged all of the venues that they had ever, that, that had ever been posted on the site. Anyone could add to it. So if your band was playing a show that nobody knew about, you could just go on and add your show to the list. It was a wiki site. It was awesome. And uh, that was how I stayed up on shows because I, I didn't really know that many people growing up, but. It was, it was a great way to stay on top of what was happening, especially house shows and more underground stuff. Can you describe uh, what the scene was like? I mean, I come from a generation of punk rockers, but there was even punk rockers way before I was even around mm-hmm. you know, listening to music. Most of the shows I went to, it was uh, a lot of kids uh, who were, you know, in high school. And some younger, some a bit older. Most of the shows that I went to, it was... The, the crowd was generally about 15 to 25 as far as the age range. And most of the shows I went to were either in basements or at Satyricon, mm-hmm. which was uh, one of the only all-ages venues around at the time. It's, uh, it's been demolished since and turned into yuppie apartments or something. But when I was even younger than that, I remember they had uh, the Meow Meow, the Paris Theater. So there were a whole, uh, before it got turned into a porn theater, so there were a lot more venues when I was much younger too young to go to shows for the most part, but those those have been diminishing in number drastically. What was one of your favorite shows that you saw when you were growing up? One of my favorite shows was at Laughing Horse Books, which mm-hmm. is a an anarchist co-op bookshop in in Portland. They have shows there every once in a while. Usually they're kind of small, but one of their shows got so big it was a it was a summer block party that they actually had to move it out of the store and onto the sidewalk. Uh, Riot Cop, MDC, and a couple of cross bands played, and it was it was amazing. They had the street blocked off. We had a pit going in the street. It was it was definitely uh, definitely a good time. Very cool. What other uh, favorite shows have you attended, either in Portland or in this area? Well, my favorite band to see live is Ghoul. I figure mm. if uh, if I'm not covered head to toe in blood after a show and I haven't <laughs> ruined most of my clothing, it wasn't a good enough time. I saw the lower class brats with a couple of my friends a few years ago and got a concussion. I'm amazed I actually remember that show. <laughs> Here's a question I like to ask people. If you're on a desert island and you can only pick five albums or songs for your music player, what would you pick? Ooh, this question. It's <laughs> <This is> tough. <laughs> I'm going to have to go with, uh, let's see, start with The Rotten Agenda by Os Rotten. Inlay by Fall of Ephrapha. Any Motorhead album, it really doesn't matter which one. See, Essential Ella, Ella Fitzgerald, and uh, Dr. Octagon Ecologist by Dr. Octagon. Hmm. Yeah, interesting. I, I got to get something else in there besides punk rock. I think <laughs> exactly. If, as much as I love punk, I kind of need a break from it sometimes. Like you, you have to have some variety going. I think that's super important. I, have you I, met? I see. I see. I, I've yeah. met a lot of people who just when when I meet them, when I talk to them, they just come off as having this pathological need to be punk as fuck in every aspect of their life but that's not even that's really not necessary of course you know in our, in our social groups we want to put up a front and you know put on that appearance of you know being perfect and that that's not exclusive to mainstream society in, in any way but actually ha- having a variety and having taste in things that's not limited to what the rest of your social group thinks is cool is 
is really important. It, it, I've, I feel like that gives me a better sense of who I am when I'm, when I'm able to relate to myself and not only the people around me. Yeah, and people are generally more well-rounded when they have, you know, more of an open attitude towards... Exactly. Plus, you have all these other places to take influence from. When you, when you have influences from, all, from different types of genres of music, you're not... If you start a punk band, you're not just sounding like the punk band that played last week at your favorite bar. You have... You, you might be able to take inspiration from, you know, a jazz musician and incorporate that kind of style into your, into your act. And that, that makes it more unique. That makes it, that makes it stand out among all the rest of, uh, that makes it stand out among the rest of the scene. And we always, we, we hear complaints all the time of all the bands in our scene sounding the same or, mm-hmm. you know, oh, the scene is so boring. All the bands sound the same. Well, Find some inspiration somewhere else. Make it different. Yeah, exactly. You, you mentioned the albums, uh, but can you get into a little bit more detail on why those resonate with you? Um, those particular choices. Os Rotten. I, I love Os Rotten. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely in favor of their politics, as uh, I'm pretty sure all of their listeners would be. They're, they're very politically oriented, and uh, I, I tend to think of myself as somewhat politically minded. I, I guess it's just nice to hear a lot of my views ref, uh, reflected in the music I listen mm-hmm. to. I, I think I think everybody likes that kind yeah. of. Um, Fall of Ephrafa, I I really like their kind of sludgy, dark sound. It's uh, I, I got really into them when I was up in Portland over the winter, mm-hmm. and Portland is so gray and miserable <laughs> and depressive yeah. in the winter time. It just looks like the world is dying around you sometimes, and. <laughs> I, I remember listening to uh, Fall of Ephrathah and Wolves in the Throne Room and a lot of bands kind of along those lines. It just it seemed like perfect mood music for every day. Mm. What about the Motorhead? Motorhead? Do I really need to explain that one? Not really, not to me. <laughs> <laughs> Hellraiser is my favorite song to dance to on stage. It's my favorite yeah. warm-up song. So uh, I figure if I'm on a desert island, I'm probably going to be uh, stretching and dancing a lot without, uh, I mean, if there's nothing else to do and no one else around, I mean, whatever, I gotta keep myself busy. Gotta do something. So, uh, it's, I mean, that would definitely keep my mood up as long as I'm stranded on some kind of desert island. Yeah.
um, Ella Fitzgerald is, has been one of my favorite artists since I can remember. Mm-hmm. And Dr. Octagon is... Dr. Octagon is just fun to listen to. Like, I can just get stoned and chill out. The music is kind of weird and has a, a lot of strange sounds to it. And like I said earlier, it's just nice to have a good variety going. I really like hip-hop, and Dr. Octagon is uh-huh. by far one of my favorites just because he's easy to listen to. Mm-hmm. So you're a model and a performance artist. How did you get involved in performing at punk rock shows, and can you describe exactly what your uh, performance art is? Okay. Uh, well, I've been pole dancing since uh, 2010. I started stripping when I right before I turned 20 years old to pay the bills. I got laid off of uh, my taco truck job. <laughs> which was incidentally one of the best jobs I've ever had. But yeah. um, I, I got temporarily let go from that just because they weren't doing so well in the wintertime. I was like, well, shit, the bill's got to get paid. My friends had actually been suggesting that I start stripping for months and months and months. And, well, when, when you're a broke chick in Portland, you <laughs> go buy a nice pair of heels and start stripping. Yeah. So I did that. And I was working in a club where I couldn't walk the floor. I was 19 years old and... Because of Oregon's really bizarre liquor laws, I could still work at that club, but I couldn't be on the main floor. I could go on stage hmm. and I could take customers into the booths for private dances. Hmm. Uh, and I could walk to the DJ booth or to the bar to like get a glass of water. So I found plenty of ways to abuse the whole you can't walk the floor rule. <laughs> uh, but I figured, you know, I didn't really have a way to make money other than on stage. So I started putting whatever I had into my stage show. One of the girls started teaching me how to do pole tricks, and it just kind of went from there. I fell completely in love with it. I've gotten in really great shape from doing it. It's borderline therapeutic for me. Like, if I'm having a bad day, I can go get on the pole. It's, it's something that I've been really into for a while now. It's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And then uh, when Marcus's most recent birthday rolled around, he, uh, he asked me to perform at his birthday party, which is, you know, a gigantic show that he puts on every year. And uh, we actually went about getting a pole. He actually went out and bought a stripper pole. <laughs> and, you know, for shows, for for entertainment purposes. And so far, I'm the only person to use it. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a community purchase, but it's pretty much yours at this point, huh? <laughs> uh, you know, for... For all intents and purposes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it started out as, you know, just one show, but it kind of, it grew a little bit. Uh, Spike from Rogue Ronin Booking uh, has asked me to dance at several shows that have gone very, very well. Mm-hmm. I danced with uh, Circle One and at this huge D-beat show that he put on. So I'm, I, I've been expanding my, uh, my booking circle, which is kind of fun. It's kind of, it's really cool that, I think it's really cool to bring my art to the punk community, which is something that I've always felt close to. Mm-hmm. Uh, pole dance has usually been uh, either more recently it's been a fitness thing, but before before it started gaining ground in the fitness world, it was kind of confined to strip clubs. So to make my art that I care about accessible to the community that I care about really does mean a lot to me. Mm-hmm. I've gotten uh, a lot of people asking me about lessons and uh, I'm, I would really like to go into teaching dance. Being able to bring something that I care about, that I'm really into, to the stage is a lot of fun. Why Teganism? What Can you describe the, the name? 
Um, I don't even remember where it came from. I'm pretty <laughs> sure it had to do with it. It was a result of copious alcohol intake. <laughs> uh, like I said, I used to drink a lot. Mm. <laughs> I don't remember exactly where it came from, and I wish I had some really cool story. Like, oh yes, Teganism. Uh, one modeling, one uh, one company that I did some modeling work for said it sounded like a cult, and uh, and uh, someone else from the company said, oh yeah, I think I might from the looks of from looks of, well from the looks of these shots, I think I might be changing my religion to Teganism. Like, yes. <laughs> Well, that works. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I mean, I, I wish I had a better explanation for it, but it's just something that I pulled out of my ass and it ended up sticking. <laughs> so I have a question for you. Geeks versus punks. Describe your tribe and why the Union of Misfits is a good thing. Oh, wow. Now, punks is geeks. <laughs> it is. <laughs> I have, um, I have uh, a pretty bizarre circle of friends, all of them with their, with their own unique quirks and idiosyncrasies. I think it's really great when you get people from all walks of life together because that way you've got this exchange of ideas and that's how we build community. When we all come together and start sharing our experiences and the things that are on our mind, we can turn those ideas into actions and do something for ourselves and for the people around us that we've gotten close to through that process. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of entities that have come in the way of are of those communities that we've created, you know, cops shutting down shows, it, especially in the face of that kind of pressure. It's really important that we continue to come together and exchange our ideas and continue to make our community stronger. Mm -hmm. Now, would you consider yourself a Oakland pirate punk? Is that, would that I am not a pirate punk. <laughs> I do not have a pirate punks patch. Um, I'm pretty close with a lot of people who yeah. are in pirate punks. Pirate punks is a huge community of people like mm -hmm. an international community. And I think it's really amazing what they've been able to do as far as bringing people together from, from literally from Oakland all the way to Indonesia mm -hmm. and, and Germany and all of these other places where there are pirate punks crews. I, I know that because, because I have friends who are pirate punks, I can go literally across the world and have a couch to sleep on if I need it. I think that's amazing. Mm -hmm. They've also been amazing to me about bookings. I've, I've been booked to do a lot of really fun shows with them, and they're a really awesome group of people. Mm. <clears throat> so you hang out with them, but you wouldn't really consider yourself... Uh... No. Um, I mean, I, to be a pirate punk, you have to get patched in. It's, yeah. uh, it's a, it gets a little bit political at times. <laughs> like any organization. <laughs> exactly. You, know, yeah. you, have, you have any organized group of people together. They're going to be politics. Whatever. Mm -hmm. I mean... Even within the punk scene at large, there's a bunch of silly politics. But I, I, I have a I have a lot of friends who are pirate punks, but mm. I, I am ostensibly not one. Can you tell what's on my mind? She's in here with Jason Wild. I like to hear them in the head and tear them down Inside of blood is such a high Oh, he gives me head He made an audible bliss I took his arms and kissed his lips He looked at me with such a smile My face was bent I put the room into the ridge Oh, he gives me head Jet for jet Jet boy, I'm gonna make you never trade. I'm gonna make you be a girl. Whoa. 
Baby, what a surprise I caught it with some other guys God, he was stressed up with a girl around his neck I could have cried with my eye Whoa He gives me head Trend boy, trend I'm gonna take you where I want The trend boy, I'm gonna make you penetrate I'm gonna make you be a girl So you were living at Hazmat, which is a warehouse space in Jack London Square for a little while. Can you describe for our listeners who would probably have no idea what a type of a community that was? Okay. Hazmat was not the place I expected to crash land when I arrived in <laughs> Oakland. But I'm really glad that I did end up there. It's uh, a giant warehouse, 5,600 square feet in Oakland. I think for a while we had about 22 people living there. Basically, if it could be a room, we would turn it into a room under the stairs, closets, mm -hmm. whatever was available, hallways. <laughs> uh, it was a really, it was kind of, it was a unique living space for me, at least. I'd never really lived in a community environment like that at the time, but it was definitely an exercise in learning to share a bathroom with <laughs> 10 people. So we only had two full bathrooms in the place. We had shows every weekend. Uh, sometimes they were really small, you know, just friends, bands playing. Other times it got kind of big and kind of rowdy. Filth played there. They packed the house with over 300 mm -hmm. people, not including <laughs> bands. Mm -hmm. That's probably about the max capacity for that space. It, if I, they, I would. they would have tried. <laughs> I'm pretty sure knowing my, <laughs> my former roommates, we would have tried to pack more people in there. <laughs> Um, yeah. there was a lot of space. We, we helped host part of Bob Fest. Mm -hmm. Um, we had a lot of other pretty big shows, but mostly the best thing about hazmat was that it was the first place that I ever lived that really felt like home. The people who lived there were for the most part, like family to me. If I hadn't lived at hazmat, if I had never been there, I would not be who I am now. Did you guys have any kind of uh, organized structure as far as like were there chores and stuff that had to be done? No. Is that pretty much a free for all? No. Yeah. <laughs> well, we had, um, I was, we had orbitals. Orbitals were uh, house members that didn't have their own rooms. Okay. So uh, orbitals paid uh, a fee every month plus their share of bills. Mm. And their job, since they didn't have their own room and had I mean, the house had its own hierarchy in that yeah. sense, their their job was generally to help clean up after shows and just earn their keep. Mm -hmm. So I was an orbital when I first started living there, but as soon as the room opened up, I was all over that. <laughs> <laughs> For the most part, somewhat functional. <laughs> yeah, people were pretty respectful of each other. More or less. More or less. Yeah. <laughs> More or less. <laughs> So you mentioned BobFest. Can you talk a little bit about what that is and uh, your involvement, if, if any? Uh, well, for, for people who don't know, BobFest is an international punk rock festival. It takes place every other year, only odd-numbered years, in Bremen, Germany, Oakland, California, and Bath, and Bath England. And uh, in, in 2011, it was hosted in Oakland. It was uh, four days Four days of punk shows, plus a welcoming party and a goodbye party and you know, after parties for shows. Hazmat helped host one of the shows, 
We had a uh, Grups, Everything Must Go, Dreadful Children, and uh, it was it was a lot of fun. We had people from all over the world in the house. I, I I mentioned pirate punks being an international community earlier. Bob Fest is kind of similar because you have people from all over the world in contact with each other year round to make sure that they can facilitate the show, make sure it does happen. And it's been I don't know how long it's been going on, but. It's, it's great that they continue to do it. And people come from all over the world for it. I think it's great. Mm-hmm. We hosted the Subhumans after party at Hazmat too. It was a really good time. We, uh, we made it a pants-off dance-off. <laughs> so basically, if you showed up at the door, it was $2 to get into the after party. But if you took your pants off, you would get in for free. <laughs> Those of us working the door actually talked everybody who came in and still took their pants off into donating. Yeah. <laughs> so... Uh, I guess we have good door people. <laughs> the pants off, dance off. I haven't heard of that. That's interesting. We came up with that at a house meeting. Yeah. <laughs> we actually had a meeting to decide that. Nice. Uh, here's a question I like to ask everybody and answer it however you want. <clears throat> but what does music mean to you? Uh, I think I'm going to have to, I, I would have to go back to my, what I said earlier about community. And the, the punk scene is a great example, of course. You know, we've built this community that stands against a lot of societal norms out of people simply coming together, sharing their ideas, sharing their experiences, and turning those things into actions. Mm. And music is a powerful thing. We can use it to express so much from political opinions to our, our deepest emotions. And when we can come and build a community out of that, that's really an incredible thing. Oh, well said. What is one important thing people should know about you? Um, one thing, this might surprise people, actually, I'm really anxious in crowds. Like, I like having a crowd at my stage. That's always cool, you know, being a performer and all, but I do not do well in large groups of people. (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of like reverse stage fright. So, I mean, that's why people probably never see me out anywhere. I'm like hiding in my room under a blanket. (laughs) Would you consider yourself an introvert? Um, very much so. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of musicians. I mean, I, I would consider myself kind of an introvert. It's it's kind of odd. It's yeah. it's I like to call it reverse stage fright. Yeah, exactly. You know, for me, playing in a band, I can get up there no problem. But if I was by myself, <laughs> I think yeah. I would have a real problem. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm usually I'm usually on stage by myself, with the exception yeah. of a couple of routines, and I I usually do fine, but. I don't know, crowds. I, I guess I'm a little claustrophobic. Uh, okay. So when you're up on the stage, you're by yourself, really. Yeah. Like well, I've got yeah. plenty of space, too. Yeah, exactly. It's, well, when I'm on stage, it's really just me in the pole, and I don't, have, I don't really have to think about anything else. What is your best day? Meaning, if you could enjoy a great day, what would it involve? Um, I think my best days uh, happen with greater and greater frequency, which I'm very happy <laughs> about. A uh, perfect day for me is generally spent with my boyfriend and his dog, uh, it starts with breakfast burritos and mimosas, and <laughs> somewhere in the mix, we climb Bernal Hill and continue to drink and <laughs> hang out and be happy. Nice. What about a bad day? What would be a bad day for you? I don't know. That's hard to say. My bad days tend to sneak up on me. <laughs> like they do all of us, probably. <laughs> <laughs> bad days generally involve injuries. Yeah. Uh, like, well, today, I was riding my bike in the rain. My brakes suck, and I almost yeah. got hit. I almost got sideswiped by a car, but that's a relatively small complaint mm-hmm. in the grand scheme of things. What about when your dog tore Oh, yes. Uh, bad day happened very recently. I took my boyfriend's dog to the vet to find that she, um, she'd been uh, limping for 
all of the previous day. So I made her a vet appointment first thing in the morning. I got to my boyfriend's house at 7 o'clock and uh, got the dog, took her on the bus all the way to the vet's office, and they did some they just they decided to do some x-rays and they determined that she ruptured her acl and they told us that surgery was going to cost us forty six hundred dollars ouch so (laughs) we have a million dollar dog (laughs) (laughs) that's a lot of money some people might not even consider paying for that what would you say to those people fuck you (laughs) (laughs) okay what is it tonight dog ever she is 100% deserving of the surgery yeah. we've been uh, we have an online donation fund going actually for uh, for dog meat surgery we've uh, we've made some pretty good progress on it we've had a couple donations as well as people actually like uh, my boyfriend's roommate actually walked up to me and just handed me ten dollars like sh- just shoved a ten dollar bill in my face I'm like what's this she's like oh it's for the dog Oh my god, you're amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Where can people go if they want to donate? Okay, uh, the URL for our uh, donation site is dogmeat.chipin.com slash surgery. I think there are some hyphens in there. Um, I can get that from you. Okay, And excellent. we can, p- we'll post a link to it on the yeah. website. Be easier than to yeah. Forty six hundred dollars is a lot of money, and even with me and my boyfriend both working, he works full time. I work quite a bit, uh, but my income is kind of flexible, put it mildly. So we're uh, we're hoping we can find a good a good efficient way to pay for that as mm-hmm. soon as we can, because it really it sucks having her out of commission because she does go everywhere with us. Yeah. What is the most significant event that's impacted your life? Um, definitely moving into hazmat. Like mm-hmm. I said earlier, uh, I do not. I really do not think I would be who I am now if I had never crash landed there, and if I hadn't come into contact with the people that I met there. Would you consider yourself a role model for other punk rock girls? That's a really intimidating question. <laughs> <laughs> I remember myself when I was fifteen, and I was probably in serious need of a role model. <laughs> and. I'm pretty confident in myself now, but I guess I still kind of balk at the idea of people considering me a role model. 
If you had any advice to share with those young 15-year-old punk rock women, what would you say? Uh, don't do speed. <laughs> don't do speed. <laughs> um, well, that's a, certainly good advice. That was good advice. Um, other, other advice I would give someone who looked up to me. It's, it's really easy, I think, especially for young women in our society or you know any female identifying person in this society to feel a little bit disenfranchised or insecure because of a lot of a lot of various pressures on them to you know be what's pre- what's presented to them as this bullshit ideal mm-hmm. you, you don't have to live up to that i have a younger sister and i remember watching her grow up with like all of these fashion magazines mm-hmm. and, you know models that look like starving children yeah. <laughs> like i don't understand I, I never really understood why that was considered to be a more beautiful ideal than, you know, someone actually being happy and healthy and having control of their life and feeling secure and, you know, living up to their convictions. That means so much more to me than molding myself to be what someone else expects of me. Mm-hmm. I have a really hard time being what other people expect of me because I answered, I answered to myself first. Mm-hmm. I've always kind of been like that. And try, like trying to live up to somebody else's standards especially when I, when I feel like they're a little, even a little bit off base makes me really uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. So uh, any, the advice I would give to any young girl looking up to me is stick to your convictions, stick to your guns and don't do anything you don't feel 100% comfortable doing. Mm -hmm. Oh, good advice. Do you play an instrument? I played guitar and bass a little bit growing up when I was really little, my parents got me a violin I, I don't remember what their motivation was for pushing me into playing music, but they got me a violin and signed me up for lessons, and I loved it. And I, I kind of wish I hadn't quit playing it, because it was a lot of fun. I think I still have my violin somewhere. <laughs> I think it's up in Portland, actually. But af- I, after I got my first guitar, I, I uh, kind of moved away from it, and then I discovered bass, and that was way more fun. <laughs> but I, I had to sell my bass, which is too bad. It was really nice. Yeah. I had a Rickenbacker. Oh, it was yeah. like as big as me. Like I'm, I'm about five four and 120 pounds. Like this thing weighed almost as much as me. The neck was too long. It was too big for me. Yeah. Did you ever try to play in any bands? Um, when I was in middle school, I was in a really bad punk cover band. Yeah. <laughs> we played Ramones covers in my friend's garage. I thought I was such a badass because I was in a <laughs> punk band. And it got around uh, my middle school pretty quick. And people started thinking I was slightly cooler because I was in a band. <laughs> we played like one show at yeah, like yeah. some coffee shop or something. <laughs> and uh, it was actually pretty anticlimactic for everybody who showed up. <laughs> It's like, oh yeah, Tegan's in a band. This is so cool. And they show up and we suck. <laughs> well, at least you had some fun. With it was it. fun. Yeah. I had I had a good time with it. Um I, I've always kind of been drawn to performance, just in whatever capacity. Mm-hmm. I think I I think I just like being on stage. Yeah. Do you have anything to promote? Uh Facebook, websites, anything? Um, I am on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Tegasm, T-E-A-G-A-S-M. Uh, the, the name Teagasm actually was given to me by Mark from Gut Wrench. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure he was wasted. <laughs> at, at some point, he's like, you should just change your name. You should you just, just take out a few letters and be Teagasm. Like, <laughs> I'll take that into consideration. Not sure how I feel about that. And when I danced at Libertatia uh, yeah. this past summer, 
he was back there chanting "Tgasm, Tgasm," and it kind of <laughs> caught on. It didn't quite stick, though. <laughs> it hasn't. Uh, it hasn't surpassed my title of Teganism. Yes, so. exactly. How was that uh, show? It I was a lot it. of fun. It was yeah. the first show I ever did without a pole. Oh, okay. I'm uh, definitely much more accustomed to performing on the pole rather than without it. So my first burlesque act was super intimidating and really, really prop heavy. It's like if I, I feel like if I don't have a dance partner, I don't know <laughs> what to do. The pole is my dance partner. I, I did swing dancing for a while uh, when I was a little bit younger. But uh, my first burlesque routine was to Rehab by Amy Winehouse. <laughs> and I had an empty vodka bottle filled with water. And people are like, oh, no, it's just water. I'm like, well, that's the point. I'm not going to drink a whole thing of vodka <laughs> on stage. Like, it's too hot for that. <laughs> but um, it, it was fun. It was just me ripping my clothes off with a fake bottle of vodka in my hand, pouring it down people's throats, spraying <laughs> it all over people. <laughs> um, Yep. It was it was very well received. It's yeah. it's been a successful routine ever since. Huh. Any upcoming shows that we should know about? Uh, not that I have booked. I have plenty of booking, uh, plenty of booking available. Uh, anyone who wants to book with me, though, I just ask that they please give me at least two weeks' notice before a show. <laughs> let <laughs> you know that, really uh, hard to put something together when I only have like a day to get ready. Yeah. And then people can get in touch with you via uh, the Facebook. Facebook is probably the best way. Yeah. I haven't made my new booking email yet, but that's uh, one of the things that I'm eventually going to get around to. Well, is there? I think we covered a lot of territory. Is there anything else <clears throat> that you'd like to talk about? Not off the top of my head. All right. Well, thanks a lot. Thank you. Well, thanks for coming by. All right. We'd like to do something for you now. We haven't heard a girl sing it. And it's, since it's so popular, we'd like to try and do it for you. We hope we remember all the words. Fancy gloves, though, wear 
Thanks again to my guest, Teganism. Check out her Facebook page for upcoming performance dates. Go on to iTunes and write a review. It helps get our ratings up and more exposure to the show. We've got a lot of stories to share. Thanks for checking out Music Live Radio. I'm your host, Dan Sauter, and we'll catch you next time.